will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary Uh huh. What's your favorite scary movie? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, we're all here. Leslie's here, Pat's here, and Patrick is here, or me. <laughs> so this is the first time in a couple of weeks we've all been uh, been together for recording. So how's everyone doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. And Pat's being his usual silent type. Tired per usual. Tired per t- usual. Okay, you have your hipster iced coffee again. How can you be tired? Two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row, and I've had three cups. You got me off the wagon, or back on the wagon, whatever you want to call it. Both. <laughs> That's, I had a cup of coffee yesterday. I've had three cups this morning because I brewed my own pot. So I, uh, I'm i falling back onto it thanks to you, you bad influence. Um well, one thing you guys might have noticed is we've improved our intro for the podcast. I've actually been doing some research, so I uh, I hope you guys all enjoy it. Sounds a lot better, on my in my opinion. Um, I think our audio is going to improve a little bit. We're still going to be getting some mics here at some point, but overall, I'm very pleased with how it sounds, and hope you guys enjoy that kind of better sounding intro and i do want to give credit to um the creator for the synthwave track um because previously i did not remember this guy's youtube channel um but since uh we restructured things i want to give him a shout out and uh going to link him in our show notes moving forward it's dg tv uh damon gaming tv on youtube um they supply the music and uh, it's really great synthwave which is uh, i'm a huge fan of um since I'm an 80 styles person. Uh, so I want to thank them for making this stuff available for use for creators. So and you call me the hipster for iced coffee. Synthway Synthway's not being hipster. <laughs> what do you think, Leslie? Is that being hipsterish? No, I don't think that's hipster. Yeah. See, 
Same. I think hipster is um, more indie style music. Uh, I don't know if I'd go with that. That'd be it's more like saying, um, okay, so all your friends are just now discovering the Beatles, and you were like, I like them first. Nope. Kind of. Come on. Now. <laughs> Does the Rolling Stones make any more difference for you? Coming in. Oh God. <laughs> we knew you lived in a bubble in the military, but didn't know it was that bad. Um, all right. So to get actually on the business here, um, we do have. Uh, one thing that was not planned that we were going to talk about, but since I kind of completed the main campaign before, uh, or by the end of this week, uh, before recording, I kind of wanted to give my thoughts on the Marvel's Avenger video game um, on the PS4. So initially, because uh, I know I reached out to Leslie and I think both Pat when I was playing it, I was really enjoying it. Um, I thought that the the graphics for the most part looked really good. Um, I was really enjoying the beginning of the campaign uh, playing as Kamala Khan, who is the new Ms. Marvel in uh, the comics and stuff. And uh, I really liked the voice actress and how they, how they modeled her character and how she's essentially like this, this fangirl. Basically um, I would say almost a, a, a video game uh, companion of Leslie, how, how I know Leslie and how she fangirls about some stuff. Am I a little on uh, the nose with that Leslie? What? Well, you know how you and I talk kind of about like Marvel and stuff like that. And like with you got your lightsabers your or your lightsaber. Oh, yeah. Um, so like Kamala Khan really kind of reminds me of you in video game. Uh, someone <laughs> okay. who has a really strong passion for the thing she really enjoys. So the game like opens up. It's Avengers Day and she's won a contest uh, basically writing fan fiction about the Avengers. And like they have an adventure and they fight these like sewer monsters or sewer lizards or something like that. And so she gets picked amongst a whole other group of people. And so the whole kind of opening sequence is her meeting each individual Avenger one-on-one. And it's, it's a really cool opening for the game. I think sadly that's the best part of the game because once you move past the inciting incident, um, your goal is to kind of get the Avengers all back together. But it's the mission structure and the gear component that really kind of bogs it down, especially when you've played Insomniac's Spider-Man game, which is an amazing open world Marvel Spider-Man video game. It's, I think, up there with Spider-Man 2. Um, it was really a huge letdown when this was just more... Um, it's styled after the Destiny game series, and it doesn't. its mission structure doesn't really work for me. Not to mention, it is extremely buggy. Um, I have had to restart um, training missions, which are like just basically the danger room. If you're familiar with the X-Men comics, uh, you're, you're just going in and fighting holograms. Um, there, there's individual character training missions that you would start and you get ready to do the first one and the enemy doesn't even come at you. It doesn't even attack you and you're supposed to dodge its attack. So I'd have to reload it, which then I have to sit through a loading screen for about a minute and a half, uh, and then finally it would work. Um, I would also have audio that wasn't playing, like a character would be speaking and you wouldn't hear any audio. Character models would be reverting to what they were, but not to what they are, what they're supposed to be. Uh, it, it is very, very buggy, and that was very disappointing for me, considering this game was originally supposed to come out in, I think, May, and then they pushed it off till September to kind of fine-tune some things, and they've already released 
I believe, two patches, and they have one other massive patch update. Um, another thing that I was really disappointed in, again, was like the gear setup. Um, Pat and I were talking a little bit before recording. When you, if you've played the Mortal Kombat franchise recently, or even the Injustice uh, Injustice Two uh, video game, the gear component that they do with that is whenever you unlock uh, gear, the gear actually changes your physical appearance. But in the Avengers, it it doesn't. It, you just get the the buffs that they apply to, it. and it's like that's kind of ridiculous, especially when then you have to amass basically credits to unlock skins other than what you can unlock during the main campaign, which isn't a whole lot. It, it, it's definitely rife with micro microtransactions. It wants to push the online multiplayer aspect of it, which I tested it out after I beat the campaign. Wasn't really impressed with it. Um, the campaign itself wasn't awful other than again, the mission structure it not being open world and just overall disappointing. And some of the voice acting, and I know other people have commented on this on YouTube and stuff, uh, doesn't seem to really fit. Troy Baker, who I'm a huge fan of, did um, Bruce Banner. And it doesn't quite fit because he's trying to do kind of the loner Bruce that, uh, you know, we're all kind of used to in the sense like that he um, doesn't like, people getting close and stuff, but it just doesn't seem to really fit. It's, it's a mix of Joel from the last of us. And, um, I'm trying to think a little bit of any other characters that he's kind of got it mixed with. Um, but it, it just, it doesn't seem to work cause he's taking too many pauses in between, uh, words and stuff. Uh, Nolan North does pretty good as Tony Stark. Uh, and everyone else is, is pretty much on par with the characters, but it, some of the dialogue I think needed some reworking. Um, but other than that, like I wouldn't really recommend anyone going out and paying full price for this game. Fortunately, I had this pre-ordered long before Amazon got rid of their like 10% off credit that they used to do for pre-orders. So I still, I paid 53 versus the, uh, you know, 60. Uh, so I at least can like look at that and go, all right, I saved a little bit of money on it. Saved a cup of coffee at Starbucks. Basically, which I never <laughs> drink because Starbucks is awful. Um, it's overpriced swill in my opinion, but we're not, <laughs> we're not a coffee podcast. Um, but yeah, it, it just was, I was very kind of disappointed because it starts out so good. Like the, if the campaign matched the levels of how that the first mission is as a young Kamala, uh, and even how you kind of take up uh, Kamala five years later, it, it it was very good at the beginning. But once you start getting past those first couple missions, you get very repetitive environments, which I'm not one to really pick up on, but they are just reused maps. And um, enemy variety is there's plenty of that, but it's the combat gets really tiresome. Um, it's not really good in, in its combos. It's not really good in its in anything, in the gear, in skill points. I was really just kind of let down. Because uh, honestly, if you level, the first person you get is basically the Hulk. And as long as you're playing as him and leveling up, all the other missions are kind of fairly easy because he's, he's very overpowered. Um, I mean, he is the Hulk, so it kind of makes sense. But like once you get the other Avengers, by the end of the game or even in post-game content, you're going to want to mainly play as as the Hulk or as Kamala. So it was just overall disappointing. 
Uh, for a review score for me, I'm going to be kind of harsh on it because it's really going to get like a 2.5 out of 5, which I hate to be that harsh on on characters I really love. But I was ultimately, by the time I reached the end of the campaign, I was massively disappointed in the final product. So maybe post-game patches, kind of a No Man's Sky situation, they'll improve it. Um, but I'm not necessarily going to go back to it anytime soon. So uh, if you guys are a fan or have been thinking about getting the game, I'd say wait till it gets down to like 20 bucks. Uh, probably will happen around Black Friday. Um, so that's just kind of my, th- my thoughts on that, um, that video game. And I know neither one of you have had a chance to play it. And Leslie's not as much of a gamer as you and I are, but looks like you got a question here. Yeah. As far as like the repetitive game style, I know you said similar to destiny. I, I never played mm-hmm. destiny, but I know we've both played like the division mm-hmm. or, and we've both played Anthem. Would you say it's kind of, well, I haven't we- played Anthem. Okay, I yeah. So yeah. Anthem was super super repetitive. Mm-hmm. It, would you say kind of along that lines, or kind of more like Division, where it kind of has like improving characters to so go up against? I it? would say <clears throat> um, honestly, I wish it was more actually structured like Destiny or the Division, mm-hmm. because at least with Destiny and Division, your maps are actually massive. Um, although like, yeah, you have to go planet to planet to kind of go do different missions and you have kind of, but you have a set kind of open world a little bit, mm-hmm. um, defined, uh, like the division more so because the division's like all of New York city or, uh, DC for the second one, which I still need to need to finish the first one and go on and play it. Uh, the second one, but this is like, you've got one set area. Um, you have a little bit of travel, but there's really not a good map for it. And um, you're doing a lot of battles in the interiors and all the labs look the same. Uh, In fact, like all the things that you would need to do to do uh, to like find secret chests or you would have to unlock doors and pretty much the placement of the triggers to unlock the doors are pretty much in the exact same place, even though you're doing a completely different mission. And so it's the maps real, especially when you're kind of you're set between mainly three locations, the helicarrier, Utah, the Eastern seaboard, kind of the Pacific Northwest. And there was like one or two missions that were set in Scandinavia for Thor. Um, but they really have no variation in how they look. Like when you are doing three different missions that are maybe are set in Utah, you have one that's like over here in this part of Utah and one that's over here in Utah you can go to both missions and the map looks the exact same. So there's no map variation. As for like enemy types, there's plenty of enemies, but also the way that like they can easily overpower you is also kind of ridiculous. Like I'm on, I want to do the last harm mission, which is uh, one of the training missions. And my characters are all like at the recommended power level, if not over and I can't make it past it because they somehow scaled it that it's like they're super impossible even though I'm above the level requirements and my gear is above the gear requirements. I can play as the Hulk and I'm down within five seconds. It, it is massively ridiculous and they have a lot of scaling uh, and like I said, a lot of bugs that they really need to fix on the game. So I would rather, because um, I hear like Anthem's kind of improving a little bit 
And and Destiny and the Division both kind of went through growing pains, but at least with Destiny and the Division, their map variety and their locations and missions were at least a little more um, diverse because, like, really you have three different types of missions um, for Avengers. You have, okay, secure this checkpoint. All right, destroy these terminals or hack these terminals and then basically defeat this boss. And for being a Marvel's Avengers game, you have, like, three villains. You have MODOK, you have Abomination, and then you have Monica. And that's, like, it. You don't have... Although I think there's a mission chain um, that will reveal Loki for Thor. Um, I, see, that that's the other thing, too, is they say they, they have mission chains for each character, but there's one mission. So I don't know if it's post-game... DLC content or if it's just unfinished. Like, I would have rather they just said, hey, we're going to push this off. We're going to fine-tune it a little bit more. Um, but they didn't. And I honestly wish, like, Insomniac developed this game versus Square Enix and Crystal Dynamics. And Crystal Dynamics is a good developer. I mean, they and same with Square. Like, the Tomb Raider games are some of my favorite of the reboots for Tomb Raider. I mean, I... A lot of people had a problem with the last Tomb Raider, and I really didn't. I thought they've done a really good job telling that story, and I just don't know why. And a lot of game developers seem to be doing this because I, with some of the stuff that I see for coming out for PS5, they're really pushing online multiplayer. Like they're trying to move away from single player games, which I'm more of a fan of because, like, I I like to experience the story myself. I will dive into multiplayer content like Destiny. I'll still do multiplayer stuff, but like you're not required to do missions with people. Like you can, but you can still mainly do missions on your own as long as you have the right level and the right light power. But it seems like with Avengers, they wanted to push more of the online multiplayer than rather telling a campaign because the campaign's short. It's about 10 hours. And you know me, I'm a big I prefer the longer the campaign, the better, even if Trails of Cold Steel 3 took me 105 hours to complete. Um, So it just was one of those things that it's actually the first video game I've had really strong opinions on. I normally I can kind of overlook some things uh, other than like No Man's Sky. This is the first video game that I was just like, wow, I'm kind of disappointed because it starts out so strong, but then quickly falls down into repetitive gameplay they didn't really think it through um it it just was overall disappointing so i think it's interesting that you said that there's only a few villains Mm -hmm. and and like you said how you're kind of enclosed they could have probably done it better if it was open world and i think that's something that like the the arkham games yes did perfectly is you're able to have pretty much all the villains and then you're able to kind of do them as side missions and then it kind of works out in your favor. Yes. They should have taken a lot out of Rocksteady's um, book. And and that's what also just kind of concerned me a little bit about uh, Rocksteady's um, Suicide Squad kills the Justice League because they're kind of pushing that multiplayer a little bit. Although they've said you can, you can do the game on your own. Um, but the fact that you have a four team squad, which is very much how Avengers is set up uh, a little bit, same with, um, Gotham Knights, which is teased for PS five. Like 
your you can still complete the game on your own, but it, it it concerns me that they're really trying to push this multiplayer angle because, as you know, for someone who plays PC games a lot and online, you can get a good squad or you can get a really bad squad, and it just I would rather be intent on playing on my own and experience the story, and then if I want to expand out the multiplayer missions, do multiplayer missions. Also, the thing of like why can't we just do you know couch co-op because. This is set up for, you know, online. But if you want, if I wanted to play with you here at the house, like, I can't. It's set for one player locally, and I you would have to get the game yourself, and then we'd have to play online. And it's like, well, you've already kind of created this multiplayer element. Why not add offline, local? You know, it just, yeah, you're, and even the play PlayStation Four, the xbox the the switch they're all set up that you can have at least up to four players so it's like it just seems no nonsense to me that you couldn't set it up for local like a game like destiny that makes a little bit more sense to me why because it's it's purely designed to be online um but yeah it it just was really kind of disappointing i would have rather something like an arkham uh type story or something like spider-man because Spider-Man worked so well because it did kind of do the Arkham style open world, go on missions on your own, introduce villains through side quests. Um, so yeah, I, I was just really disappointed and I haven't taken it off my hard drive cause it does take a hundred, like at least a hundred gigs. Um, it's 90 gigs for the game itself. There was a 10 gig update, um, on launch They've already, I've already had one other update. I can't remember how big that one was. And there's supposed to be a huge one coming here before too long. I'll I'll see how that patch goes, if it fixes some things for me. But I'm probably going to be taking it off my hard drive pretty quick. And it's only a fourth of the size of Call of Duty. <laughs> well, got to think of what they're doing on Call of Duty constantly. Um, so, yeah, that was probably a little bit longer than I intended on talking about the game. But I that's just how strong I felt about it. Um, so I would say if you're if you're a... A person that's wanting more of a offline campaign single player game, just wait till this goes on sale. Or, or even if you want, I'm sure the cutscenes are already on YouTube. Just watch it essentially, because you're not missing anything really within game combat. There's really not a whole lot you're missing other than the cutscenes. So, um, with that said, we're going to talk about the movie we've been kind of hinting at for a while, but. You got married and then went on honeymoon. Leslie and I were kind of on vacation uh, after that. And so, you know, you and I recorded um, Ready or Not last week. And now um, we're all back together. So we're going to be talking about Vivarium from 2019 with Imogen Poots and Jesse Eisenberg. And uh, so we'll talk about the premise here and then we will play the trailer for you. Um, so the premise is a young couple looking for the perfect home find themselves trapped in a mysterious labyrinth-like neighborhood of identical houses. All right. So with that said, let's play the trailer for you. Okay. Here we go. Welcome to Yonder, a wonderful development. It has all you'd need and all you'd want. Number nine. Number nine is not a starter home. This house is forever. Lee, for a boy. Do you have children? No. It's not exactly what we're looking for. That guy was so strange. Yeah. Wait. No, no, I don't think this is the right way. Yeah, this is the way we came in. 
number nine again. Did we just do some kind of loop? How if we just... Want me to drive? Such a check. Because I think this is not possible. We can't make turns like this over and over. We have gone this way, Tom. Oh, my God. So why don't you start us off here? All right. So this is one that I kind of pitched for us to cover. And I think overall that it is a solid movie. Um, It's not a very high budget or anything. Um, I think it went to like the one of the film festivals. Oh, yeah. Probably like Sundance or something like that. Canes or whatever. Canes or Cannes. I don't know how it's pronounced. I'm not British or French or whatever it is. But... Overall, it kind of gives you it gives you the entire plot at the beginning of the movie. And if you don't really pay attention to that opening scene with the the cuckoo birds, you don't you won't really know what's going on. But if you understand like the life cycle of them, you know what's going to happen. And I think that's another thing <laughs> has been happening to us. We watch movies that kind of spell it out for you <laughs> at the beginning. Sometimes, yeah. I think, it, like, maybe... Not not ready or not, but, like, other ones that we've recorded recently yeah. have done that to us. The Lighthouse does that. Oh, yes, very much so. <laughs> very much so. Um, so, I'm I'm not a huge Jesse Eisenberg fan. I'm, I know you're probably hit or miss with them. I know we like 50-50. Yeah, Zombieland's awesome. Social Network. Social Network's good, but then him as Lex Luthor isn't quite our favorite. No. But in this movie, I think he plays a very strong role. Um, He plays kind of like the guy that's getting slowly driven insane because they're trapped in this labyrinth. And I kind of like that idea where they go into this neighborhood and then they don't really know how to get out. They make many, many attempts to get out and just end up back at the same number nine house. And there's there's a... There's kind of like a... It gives you the feeling that you get when you watch um, Buried. 
where you kind start, of like confined. Yeah, you start feeling what they're feeling, and they're just they keep trying to get out. They can't. You don't really know exactly what what this neighborhood is, and I I kind of like that it leaves you with that um like mis mysticism or kind of like a. It doesn't explain a lot. For it's me. open to interpretation. Yeah, and I, I like that idea. And I also like the um, the idea that it's this guy leads him in, kind of just leaves him there, and then they're just kind of like, what the hell? <laughs> but, and then, um, I, I don't know how to say her name. Imogene. Imogene. Poots. Poots. Um... She is also, I'd say she's in it a lot more than Eisenberg, and she has the bulk of the, the bulk of the role to carry, um, because they're left with this kid, Eisenberg's character is outside digging, trying to get to China, (laughs) but I guess they're in... Ireland or something. Ireland so, or the UK, one of the yeah, two. Yeah, so so I guess they're trying to get somewhere else. But overall, she's left with this kid, and she's, like, trying to raise it. But at the same time, it's growing at, like, a rapid rate. Um, kind of like... I can't like a kind of like a Benjamin Button, yeah, but, in, yeah, but, in, yeah. but in the reverse. It's yeah. going from young to, to old. Like, at a just astounding rate right and she's trying to because it they're left with the kid they're like raise it and we'll let you out but <laughs> well yeah it's it's a little inter- open to interpretation by what release me yeah, you will exactly. be released exactly um i think that she she really wanted to get out, and that's why she started. Because at first they were pretty much kind of like ignoring it, and then she starts like going into her phase where she's like, "I'm gonna raise this kid," and they're just kind of like it's putting them at odds with each other. But I'll, I'll let you take over from here. See what you got. Um. So for say. me, uh, like overall, I, yeah, I I really enjoyed the plot. Um. I think it needed maybe a little more explanation. Um, and I, I don't know if Leslie will agree with me on that or not when, when she talks about it here, but uh, it, it's, <clears throat> it's, I would say instead of it being more straight, like horror genre, it's more kind of sci-fi thriller um, because kind of with whatever these Martins are, we, we do get the impression that they're not human and that this is more of a, a psychological study of what it means to be human and how to portray oneself as human. Um, we don't quite know what vivarium means. I mean, we kind of get the idea that vivarium is essentially whatever this isolated town houses is. It's, it's like, um, it kind of reminds me of the episode of Star Trek, the 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 cage where um, this is the pilot episode with Pike and 
they're kind of keeping them there and viewing them psychologically, the, the creatures on the planet, and using kind of mental projection to see how uh, Pike acts in certain situations. Uh, and you not being a Star Trek fan, Le- Leslie knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, uh, I do. It, you know, it, it's kind of has that feeling to it. Um, and I, I just kind of wanted to understand more of what this um, Forever Homes type thing is. I think one of the reasons why um, Imogene's character is kind of more focused on is she is a teacher. And I, th- I think part of her wants to be a mother like they're they're not married yet, but we get the idea like that's kind of in the future. Um, she obviously has more of an actual stable career than Jesse Eisenberg's character because he seems to be more of like a gardening, lawn maintenance type of guy. Um, and I think one of the interesting aspects of the film is to see both of their differing perspectives on their situation. Like she, like you said, she kind of comes to accept it more. Um, than he does and he's kind of got this act of defiance uh, and like I'm determination that I'm getting out of here um, but it, it does lack some things plot wise or at least exposition wise of I mean we get the idea that the soil is what makes Eisenberg sick um, that something in that soil is causing him to basically get like black lung um, but I We'll, we'll talk about it more kind of in the uh, in our debate section of it. Um, but I, I kind of wanted them to go in a different route with what happens with him in the hole. Um, the kid in this is probably my second least favorite kid in any type of horror slash sci-fi genre movie. Um, one that you and I both are not a fan of is the Babadook, and that kid is like the all-time worst. Most punchable kid. Yes, and this kid is a very close second. Like, he's his screams are very annoying, but they're not as annoying as that one scene in the car with the kid in the Babadook, where he's just screaming in the back seat, and the mom's going, why won't you just be normal? Um, but yeah, it it's a very interesting... I think actually it's it's more of a study of the human condition um, because not to go into spoilers, but we do get um, kind of an idea or a glimpse of different essentially um, specimens and how they're reacting to uh, the situation, not just what we see from the perspective of Imogene and Eisenberg. Um, I do kind of wish that Eisenberg had more of a role because once he is like set on his mission. He kind of gets pushed to the side. There's not much more character development for him. Um, but that's not really a disadvantage for the film because Imogene is really strong actress. I I've liked her in about everything I've seen. Um, I've not really like, I I loved her in, uh, was it 28 weeks later, which was the sequel to 28 days. Um, I know I've seen her, I can't think of all the movies. Remake of Fright Night. Yes, yes. Fantastic in that as the girlfriend. Um, I I know the Black Christmas remake is coming up on HBO Max here soon, which that movie has, uh, I think, split a lot of people. I'm going to watch it when it gets up there just to see how it is. I don't think she will be a problem in that movie. I think it's just going to be the story that's the problem in that one. But other than that, I, I, I really... I did like the movie. I, I thought it was very strong performances, very strong uh, direction, uh, strong screenplay. So uh, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and turn it over to Leslie and let's hear her thoughts. <laughs> okay. 
Um, yeah, I, I agree with like a lot of what you've already, um, said. Um, I think the thing that really sets this apart for me is the fact that there's so many layers to this that you can talk about. And I actually did look up the definition of vivarium while you were talking. It's an enclosure, a container, a structure adapted for or prepared for keeping animals under semi-natural conditions for observation or study as pets. So so even the title kind of gives you the plot. Yeah. Um, even after you, like, you watch this scene with the cuckoo birds and the title tells you exactly what's going to go um, be happening. But like I said, when I, when I watched it the first time and I know I messaged you and I said, oh, my God, my head hurts. There's so many different ways that you could talk about this, which I think is really fascinating and what really makes this a really strong movie. Because there's, you can talk about it from the perspective of animals in captivity and look at us and as humans in captivity. And you can say, how is suburban life, you know, um, affecting our human condition? Because they're in that row of never-ending same houses. Or the death of their relationship with the domestic bliss and how they get into this routine and, you know, and the relationship kind of dies. Or when they get the baby and even though it's not their baby, but how a baby sometimes can affect the dynamic of the relationship between the parent. I mean, I could go on and on and on. Destination addiction, you know, what they thought they wanted versus what, you know, they actually really wanted. So it's it's so deep and so, like, juicy and thick in so many levels that I just, I really liked that. I would say it's definitely more psychological than, I, I didn't really feel like it was a horror when I was watching it. Um... And other than that, I don't really know what else to add because I feel like you guys like already uh, filled it out so well. <laughs> well, sorry, we took some some uh, <laughs> points from you, but yeah, I I would agree. It's it's definitely psychological. There, there is some aspects that I wish that they would have touched on a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I know when the kid comes back after being gone for a while, yeah, they weren't they were pretty much neglecting it at the point, um, but he has. Or she's asking him, like, if he saw anyone, and he says yes, and then does, like, that weird, like, noise. Yeah. And, like, you don't really know what these beings are, but right. it's, like, that that was just, like, one of those points where you wanted an explanation. Like you said, they're kind of... Um like with the thing with the cuckoo birds at the beginning and sorry if we do get a little bit in the end spoiler territory with this part of the discussion. Um, if you don't want anything spoiled for you, I'd say hop out now. Um, it is streaming on prime for free, go check it out. And then if you want to come back, uh, and listen to the rest of this and so nothing's spoiled for you, uh, feel free to. So we've given you the warning here. Um, but like, I, I agree. Like they're almost, a cuckoo alien version, essentially like their, their ultimate goal is to almost perfectly mimic human beings. Now they also have very short lifespans as we see basically by the end of the movie now. And uh, I'd like to hear both of your opinions on this, how I would have done this a little bit differently because it was my impression as I was watching it is, um, Jesse's character, uh, digging the hole and he finds the body bag. Now, again, I don't remember if they actually show a face in the body bag or not. Um, but I was kind of under the impression that it was his own body. And so like I viewed this as kind of a time loop in the sense that the Martin character was perpetuating this time loop for his own essentially, um, creation. Um, 
obviously it didn't go that way and that each of these bodies are just test subjects. Um, so I don't know, would you have, would either one of you have seen, would have rather gone that way or do you more prefer how it went? I, I think that the way that it was going was they're stuck in this labyrinth and each Martin is supposed to be an improvement. Yeah. And I think I think it works that way. Okay. I, I don't I wouldn't want it to be how you were saying. Right. And I think that as each life cycle goes on, like that each Martin's gonna get less and less weird, potentially. Yeah. Or even more weird, who knows? <laughs> but I, I think that it worked that way. Okay. Leslie, any thoughts? I I don't know, because when he first um, you know, was digging and kind of brushed the dust back. I did think it was himself too. That's what I thought. But I, like you, I don't remember seeing a face. I don't know if I need it to be a time loop, but I do feel like I just need a tiny bit more expectation, like explanation of what they're doing, like yeah. what what the ultimate goal is. Because is it to get to the point where they make a successful, perfectly mimicked Martin, and then they're gonna come, and all the rest can learn from him, and they take over? You know, like, I don't understand what the end goal is, and maybe that's the point, but I kind of, I want to know what they're doing. So I wouldn't say that uh, the Martin would necessarily teach uh, the other species, because we do, we are under the impression impression that they are all kind of overall watched, and the Martins, as they're growing up, report, because that's where he goes each time, is even though we don't see it, and we know he sees other people, he's going back and reporting, reporting everything that he's experienced being raised. And we kind of get like Pat was saying with the improvement, um, because you notice something's completely off with Martin at the very beginning when they walk into the, um, the real estate office, because you can see him trying to mimic a human smile like that, that little kind of smirk. It's not meant to be a smirk, but it looks like a smirk is him trying to remember kind of his uh, being raised by whoever disappeared in his instance. Um, and, and like Pat said, like each one is supposed to be an improvement until they got that kind of perfect um, human replica. But whether what the end result is, whether it's supposed to be a mass invasion or anything like that, we're kind of left in, you know, in the unknown on that. And uh, I, I do... I do like that things aren't completely handed out to us. I I do like movies that kind of leave that open to interpretation uh, type of thing, because that sense of mystery, I I think is really good uh, for an audience to kind of openly think about. And a film that I'm watching currently that I, I would like for all of us to maybe cover at some point is I'm thinking of ending things, which is on Netflix. I've only, I think I've only watched about the first 40 minutes of it. That's going to be one that's going to be, I think, very much similar in the sense of it's going to be open to a lot of interpretation and individual reads. Um, but, yeah, I would would have liked to know a little bit more motivation. I would have liked to understand because we would have to think that people would be reporting missing people, you know, it's, or, or are the people that they're selecting somehow not have ties to anybody else? Like families either moved on or they're not. In well, that's what I wondered. Isn't she a teacher? I'm like, well, isn't the school? Don't they know that she's missing? Right. Um, but I guess nothing would be able to track them to that specific, or they have some type of thing in place. Uh, you had a thought, Pat. 
Yeah, I think when what kind of goes on when he's digging versus like when she's finally able to like enter the little labyrinth area. Yeah. Like, you would think that digging might have like had him end up in that weird. In between zone, yeah, yeah, I, I, I would think so, but also at the same time, it you had to be a Martin to be able to have access to that because that's how she, because like he like literally lifts up like a section of the street like it's flimsy paper, and that's how she manages to get down under there as well. It reminded me of like an old like road runner, yeah, or something. (laughs) Very much so. It did feel like that, Um, and. Uh, I, you know, I don't know if the color aspect of that that sequence is really supposed to have any meaning to it because, like, she, it's like green and red and blue through like each individual layer she goes through, and then somehow ends up back in in her own. But I, I like that sequence. But again, I so we're under kind of the impression that each of these simulations are all happening at the same time, but on different layers, and like that's where I need a little bit more explanation. Cause like, are we kind of now cross dimensional or are we like somehow they're all in the same community, but they can only see, they can't see each other. Cause like there's all those houses, but all of them are empty, but yet we're seeing each character kind of, or well, each of the additional characters that we're kind of seeing towards the climax going through diff- different, different, aspects of how they reacted to the situation out there and like the there's the guy who killed himself there's the mother who's alone like doesn't even have a man with her uh you know so it's the psychological part of this is very strong and i i I did like that aspect but needed a little bit more explanation of kind of like Leslie said, the end goal what what is the actual purpose of this because we're we're left at the end of the movie with the next couple coming in. So anyone else got anything else they want to bring up or talk about with this? I I just think that the end goal is to have a perfectly mimicked human. We we can understand that, but what, what does that goal lead to? (sighs) You know, like I said, is it, is it a mass invasion? Is it to, have they, because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't even need like a huge scene. Like even if if it was like that next couple comes in and as they pull back, you just see like the ship kind of ominously coming over the earth or something. And I and I would think, okay, it's an invasion. You know, just something really tiny. I don't need like a huge explanation. Right, or like that they're trying to duplicate this on their own planet. Like that they that they have viewed humanity as something to and I wouldn't necessarily think this about humanity currently in the state of 2020, but is it something to aspire to? Is there something that humanity brings to the table that uh, they are currently lacking? Like, we just don't understand that purpose. It's definitely just survival at that point is kind of what they're... Yeah, and that's that's the thing, too. Like, are they coming from a, like, desolate planet? Like, because we've seen that in sci-fi a lot, like uh, Battle, uh, Battlefield Los Angeles or Battle Los Angeles, whatever the name of that is. Um, the aliens coming to that are purely coming for, um, I believe, just either salt water or water. Like, they're, so we're understanding that they're, um, that their planet has been deprived of that resource or that they've exhausted that resource, so they're coming to invade Earth for that. So, I... 
again, like I, I kind of like that the movie doesn't spell it out for us, but I feel like maybe a little more explanation or exposition could have uh, taken it a step further. They're just trying to get people into really weird-looking houses. Well, and weird and clouds. Um, <laughs> cloud-shaped clouds. Yes, cloud-shaped clouds. I was wondering if they were ever going to address that because when I was watching it, because I was like, those clouds, they all look so weird. Well, that would have been my first hint. Is like dri- right. kind of driving into the into the thing. I've been like, these clouds don't look right. Like, and that it looks too idyllic. And I would have been like, hey, I'm now nah, we're not interested. And that's, I I liked that because they just look so cartoonish. Yes. it was. And at first I was like, oh, this is just like weird because it's low budget or something. But it's meant. That. Yeah, it's purely intentional. Yeah. And and I think it, it 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 is actually a comment kind of on the lack of observation from our characters like they're like leslie said it's kind of that um their their end goal of wanting to get a house and take it to that next level and and instead of actually paying attention to what's going on around them at that moment that they're that's how you get trapped and um i I, I did really like it. I, I think there is a lot to really kind of digest about this film. And I mean, you could probably write papers on it. And like Leslie said, you could go on <laughs> and on. There's so many different aspects about it. Animals in captivity and, uh, you know, the prepackaged food versus real food. Right. Right. And how it doesn't have that, that natural taste to it. You know, it's a kind of this lack of taste and, Parenthood and raising children, being prepared versus unprepared. Because, uh, I, I mean, I think that maternal instinct is in her character, which is why she can't kill the kid and see what would happen. Um, and then by that point, when it's too late, going, okay, I should have ignored my maternal instinct. Um, but we kind of get that impression that she, she wants to be a mother. Um, but yet Jesse is kind of the person who's like i'm not ready for kids and that kind of conflict within the relationship and like leslie said (laughs) the the um kind of death of the relationship but also eventually the rebirth of it because once he's really really sick she's back to taking care of him and and you know trying to nurture him back to health um all right any any other final thoughts I, I got one more. And, okay. And it kind of has to do with the beginning. Okay. Um, say they had realized <laughs> that these houses all look weird and they, like, don't follow him into the house. Like, do you think that driving in might have, like, got them stuck? Or do you think, like, they had to go through, like, the whole explanation and everything? No, think I, think, were... I think as soon as they entered, they were trapped. And the only way yeah. out would have been to follow Martin. Um, that he, the whole point of him kind of walking them through the house and then disappearing was they could not track him back. Mm-hmm. Um, I do also find it interesting, like how they burn down the house, and then all of a sudden the next morning it's it's normal. You know, it's like nothing happened. They're covered in smoke and soot, and it's like what what the heck just happened. Uh, well, that's what I thought was going to happen with his hole when he first started digging. I thought he's going to come back in the next morning, and it's just not going to be there. I did, that's too. What I thought. And, and that also brings up another interesting aspect is him, like, throwing the cigarette butt and then that bare ground just showing up. Like, what is it 
that causes that and it and it almost feels like that that uh, ground is like cardboard um it kind of reminds me of beetlejuice like when they're when they're shrunken down into like the town model and stuff and like you're digging 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 and it's just the cardboard from from the the bottom of the model um that's kind of like the consistency that I, I kind of got from what he was digging up and how it didn't re- like none of it is intended to look like it's actually real. It's all just kind of a fabrication. It's a it's a terrarium of, of sorts to keep them isolated. Now, I think one aspect that may have helped kind of continue the experiment is, well, they've got a TV, but the only thing that plays on TV is static and messages for the, the kid if they would have had like something there for them to actually be able to watch, to kind of entertain themselves would have maybe been another interesting aspect to add to um, the study of the humans and how they interact and have family entertainment. But that's just a random thought I just had. Um, All right. Is that it? All right. So we're going to go in with scores and and Leslie, we're going to start with you. Um, I'd give it like a 4.5. I thought it was really interesting. Okay. I'm going to land on a four. And I think that's where I'm going to land as well. And not, not at any fault of, of the movie or the writing or, or even the acting. I I think that overall, just solid movie could have had just like a little bit more at the end, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I think that's kind of like, that's kind of where I fall on it, that there, there's no... The score is really good. The direction's really good. Cinematography's good. The acting's great. Uh, it's 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 just kind of wanting that last little bit uh, to understand a little bit more, but also not trying to fault the movie for that because I don't think I think if we were walked through it by the hand, it would have turned out terrible. We wouldn't we wouldn't have enjoyed it as much. Rather than having a nice <laughs> boring, yeah, having a nice kind of spirited conversation about what e- what the film meant to each of one of us and uh, what our our personal thoughts about it were. So uh, I think that's going to do it for this week, but I do, uh, and I know she probably wasn't prepared for me to bring this up. Leslie, you, you have something in the works on your own right now, don't you? Yes, I do. I wasn't prepared for you to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you got uh, what you got planned in the future here? Um, I am planning on doing my own podcast, so don't worry, I'll come back if you ask me to. It's not like I'm running away. (laughs) But I'm going to focus on science fiction, um, books, TV, and film, and also mystery, like the murder mystery, books, TV, and film. And of course, some of my favorite stuff is when they combine it and we get sci-fi mystery. Yes, absolutely. Uh, And I know you're kind of in the beginning stages of it, but uh, I just kind of wanted to Get, get it out there, get it known uh, in case any listeners are interested. Cause kind of what, I don't know if we've talked about this in the past, Pat, you might remember more than I would. Um, kind of one of our goals here is to kind of create our own network of, of podcasts and eventually YouTube or, or D live uh, type shows. And um, that would be part kind of part of this network a little bit. And uh Definitely some crossover. We'll have you, you know, obviously we'll still have you on, but, you know, per your own schedule, once you get that up and running. Uh, and of course, cross pollination, I'll be guesting on there um, at some point. And um, yeah, I think that that's really a really good thing and wanted to make you guys kind of aware about it. Uh, I know you've started on Twitter, but haven't really 
kind of got it going yet on on Twitter, and I think you're on Instagram right now too with it, right? Yes, okay. I do have the Instagram. Um, I'm working on setting up my Facebook page and the website and the the hosting and all of that fun stuff. But on Instagram, it is the Leslie Monday podcast. There we go. And you'll will you be releasing episodes obviously on Monday then too? Yeah, I was okay. like, isn't that such a clever name? I'm Leslie, and it'll be on Monday. <laughs> yeah, that it, it works. I don't get it. <laughs> well, you 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 are a former Marine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know you well enough to be able to make that joke and not worry about you killing me with your pinky later. Um, although that, that look right there, I, I might be in danger. Um, like Ralphie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I kind of wanted to make everyone aware of that. Also another podcast that is going to be um, starting up here soon. No real affiliation with them other than um, I am uh, following the, uh, and they follow me back. Uh, two of the uh, hosts on that is going to be the, I believe it's called the Pike uh, podcast, which is going to be launching uh, regular episodes starting in October. Um, they're going to be covering Christopher uh, Pike films. And uh, if you hear some barking out there, my dog is dreaming right now. Uh, and whatever she's chasing, she's going after it in her dreams. Uh, but anyways, the Pike podcast, they're going to be covering um, Christopher Pike um Books and if you're not familiar with Christopher Christopher Pike, he did like kind of young adult horror before like young adult books were really a big thing. Starting with like the Harry Potter franchise, uh, it's a more grown up version of like R.L. Stein. Um, think of R.L. Stein's Fear Street series. Oh my goodness, she is she is definitely <laughs> dreaming. Um, but the R.L. Stein's Fear Street series was more of the teenage-driven kind of version of Goosebumps. Uh, but I, I think that it's going to be a great podcast. I've listened to their kind of preview episode. Uh, I think that they're going to have a really great show on their hands. So go check them out. Uh, f- subscribe to them. I know they are on iTunes and Spotify for sure. Um, and you can f- I think that their podcast or their uh, Twitter handle is uh, The Pikecast uh, on Twitter. But with that said, um, you can go ahead and follow us on Twitter if you're not already following us at Critics NT Cynics. Follow the podcast on Facebook at Critics Not Cynics Podcast. Uh, write into the podcast at uh, Critics Not Cynics at gmail.com. Uh, we're still, I haven't checked the email recently, but we're still definitely taking in some listener submissions uh, for movies that you guys want us to cover. Uh, we probably will do that more, maybe I would say in the month of October for any. Um, except maybe minus Leslie's, uh, depending on what type of horror movies they are. Um, any type of horror movies that you guys suggest to, for us to cover, obviously we'll have some stuff planned in case that doesn't go through. Uh, and uh, you can follow the podcast on uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, um, Podbean, and just uh, leave us a rating and review, and we will talk to you guys next time.